0: Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
1: (laughs) Bobby Hebert doing a hoot chanting here in the studio as we start up the last lap. Welcome on into the show. Across New Orleans, the Gulf South and across the world at WWL.com and the Radio.com app. Boy, do we have a... Massive show for you today because there was massive news over the past 24 hours. First up, Michael Thomas gets his new contract that he's been waiting for and the entire, really, NFL world has been waiting for. As Steve Geller put it on WWL.com in his article, Back Up the Brinks Truck. Yes, indeed, Michael Thomas gets $100 million over five years for the extension. So he does hit, and this is exactly where – I think everybody, not just me, thought this would land. $20 million, that was the number. Yes, it's a little arbitrary, 19-9 to 20. It's not that much unless you're human and you say, well, you want to be the first guy to make $20 million a year at the wide receiver spot, and he does that. The average is $20 million a year, and he gets $61 million guaranteed. So that's done. He's on his way to camp. He uh, may be there tomorrow. If not, he'll be there the next day. And, you know, he'll be up at the podium. We'll be asking him a lot of questions when that actually happens. So this hour, it's all about Michael Thomas. It's all about the Saints roster now that at least one of the big question marks has been answered. And the first half of the hour is yours ...to call and sound off on this. I want to know, what do you think about this extension? Warranted? Are you hesitant? I think everybody right now sees Michael Thomas as such a massive piece to this team that's in a championship window. It's hard to argue with. Well, hey, you had to have this guy in camp ready for another Super Bowl run. But two, three, four years down the road, how does this look? Our phone number is 504-260-1870. Our text lines is 870-870. Mike Triplett will be on at 832 to talk about this and perhaps the precedent that it sets also, massive news last night that just got buried. Zion Williamson, in an interview with Complex, which is a sports and pop culture website, he said that he wants to be in New Orleans with the Pelicans franchise for, quote, his whole career. That's what he said. It was unprompted. This wasn't like a team of you know marketing specialists around him and PR specialists around him. This was unprompted, and this is what he said in that article in Complex. That is kind of earth-shattering news. Now, I'm not going to hold somebody to what they say when they're a few weeks after their 19th birthday, eight years down the road when he's up for unrestricted free agency. I get all of that. But he did say, remember, he didn't. He doesn't want to be a LeBron. He's already on record saying that. He wants to be Zion. And also in this piece, he says he wants to be more like Kobe and Dirk Nowitzki, guys who stayed with one franchise their entire career. Kind of the anti-LeBron, if you will. Got to tell you, endangered species here in the NBA, players who, and stars really, who stay with one franchise their entire career. There's Damian Lillard and C.J. McCollum right now in Portland, although they're kind of only midway through their career. You got the Splash Brothers, Steph and Clay, in Golden State, and then who else, Bradley Beal in, in Washington? I mean, there's a handful of guys and that's it, and those guys' careers aren't even over yet. But Zion Williamson saying he wants to stay with the Pelicans for his entire career. We will talk to the author of that piece, Macklin Stern, at 9.32. It's a must-listen interview for you. Also on the program today, we got Brooks Kabina who covers LSU football for The Advocate. We're trying to get Gary Smith, who covers Tulane football as their camp opens, both LSU and Tulane's camp. And then our Wednesday spot with Carter Bryant at 10.10. So that is the show. Yeah, it's a massive one for you. Uh, we're going to go over a lot tonight. It's going to be pretty fun. Our Blue Runner Gumbo opinion poll, Zion Williamson said he wants to play his whole career with the Pelicans. Do you believe him? Simple yes or no there. You can cast your vote at WWL.com and the radio.com app. Back to Michael Thomas and hundred million million, five years, $20 million per year, $61 million guaranteed. It's the highest paid receiver now he is in NFL history, but Bobby Aber. On Sports Talk, he said, well, he's worth it and paid. Uh, Let's do this one. He's paid just right, Logan. Paid just the right amount. Yeah, paid just the right amount, Bobby said. And right now, it's hard to argue he isn't worth it. Considering what he's done his first three years in his career, Bobby Ebert said that as well. So Bobby on Sports Talk today, that was him chatting with Deuce and Christian, says... Yeah, he's worth it, paid just the right amount. I think a lot of people around this franchise and a lot of people who cover this team think the exact same thing. Deuce McAllister on Sports Talk also brought up a very interesting point here about if you're concerned about Thomas perhaps getting a little lackadaisical after he gets paid the $61 million in the bank. Well, there's a reason that you don't need to be concerned about this works hard. That's a great point by Deuce. There are some players and some receivers that you see, and I got to be frank. Levian Bell with the New York Jets seems like one that I would be highly concerned about that he has that contract now, especially how he's acting at camp. Blasting people on social media. I think as soon as he gets out, as soon as he gets out of Jets practice, he must be on his phone, checking his mentions and clapping back at people. Making music, promoting his music. And I don't have any problem with that from, you know, a capitalistic standpoint, I suppose. But from a football standpoint, yeah, I'd be a little worried about and Bell getting all that money that he held out of year four. Deuce says Michael Thomas, don't got to worry about it. We'll have more from Deuce and Bobby coming up this hour. Great stuff from them on Sports Talk today. Let's go to the phone lines now. We'll open it up for you. 504-260-1870. Ferndale in Algiers. What's going on?
2: What's going on, set? How you feeling, brother?
1: I am great. Uh, turn down that radio just a little bit. There's a little echo for us. Ferndel, but well, go ahead.
2: I apologize. I actually got my, uh, my my
1: earpieces in. You want me to just put it on speakerphone? Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. If you could, just uh, we get a little echo, but go ahead, Ferndell. So,
2: just 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 from what I'm what I'm looking at with camp so far, uh, I'm not I'm not that I'm, I'm more concerned with uh what the health that are off the line, uh, Ram, like Ram check, you can check that box. He's gonna play, he's gonna do what he's supposed to do. Um I even I even feel like the center position, I feel like we're we're pretty good at that. It, it's just the, the the two guards, they've they've shown since they've been with us that they they're not the guys that you can really depend on from a health standpoint. And then we gotta go to our uh Ooh. i left tackle Armstead.
1: Ooh, ooh, I'm going to stop you. I'll, I'll let Le continue for but but you're in your opinion, you're you're not you're not sold on on Larry Warford and Anders Pete staying healthy because of, you know relative to other offensive linemen, especially Larry Warford, I think they've been pretty healthy. Anders Pete, maybe a little different story.
2: Well, I mean, I, well, think about this: Warford last year, if you go back and you look at it, he was a walking wounded. He had he had a back problem. um and I want to say it was something else. I can't recall exactly, so I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna make up something. But I definitely know that uh, Warford. Uh, when I'll put it to you this way, mm-hmm. the first time, the first time we saw uh, we played the Rams, Warford and uh, Warford and and the other guys, they did they did a really good job. When toward the end of the season, and they were more beat up, and of course everybody's gonna be beat up, in um in that long of a season, uh. I mean, Aaron Donald, of course, he gives it to everybody, but he really gave it to us in a playoff game. Yeah,
1: Um, Uh, Here's what I'll uh, just to defend Larry Warford a little bit. He actually played all 15 games last year until week 16 when he sat out because the Saints kind of had everything uh, locked up there. Andres Pete, I think you might have a point about Ferndale because he has been banged up and some people have questioned, and not me, I'm just telling you what others have questioned, his toughness a little bit. But Larry Warford, look, that just comes with the position. You get beat up so much in there. You're going to be battered and bruised by the end of the season. But I know you wanted to continue your point. Go ahead.
2: Yes. I can't recall or not, but did did, um, did Andres Pete get his fifth year option with us?
1: Uh he did. He's on it right now this year. That's his fifth year option, yep.
2: Okay. So like I said, just 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 my point of view is I'm not I'm not really concerned with, with Drew's arm strength because Drew's never been an arm strength guy. He's always been a, a heady guy. And like you said last night on the radio, uh I don't see him being a lame duck quarterback like uh like Manning was towards the end of his career. Uh, Where well, he just was a true game manager. Uh, Drew, what Drew has Drew has always been a student in a game, and sometimes, man, just being a student in a game really makes up for uh, for other areas that you may lack in, and it just gives you it, you, you just one step ahead of your opponent. Yep, you yep, got it. You, know, you
1: got it. Completely fail. right, completely right, Ferndell. And uh, look, even Peyton Manning, who had that precipitous decline at the end of his career, the, the reason that he was able to win a Super Bowl and at least was. Okay during that playoff run was because he was so heady. One of the brightest quarterbacks we've ever seen. Drew Brees hasn't seen the physical skills decline like Peyton has yet, but he also has those that you know heady intellectualism. Thanks for the call, Fernandel. 504 260 1870. Our text line is 870 870. Oh, yeah. For the love of money, Michael Thomas, get paid, young man. Uh, Michael Thomas got paid a $100 million five-year extension, so he does get that $20 million a year money, making him the highest-paid receiver in the history of the National Football League, 1.5 mil more than Odell Beckham Jr., $61 million guaranteed. You can find our story by Steve Geller online at WWL.com. Quick shout-out to Neil Enright, who's listening to the show, apparently did some uh, cardio kickboxing, goes to St. Michael's Special School. Hey, uh, Neil, what's going on? Uh, look, so Thomas gets paid, and, and Deuce and Bobby, uh, they were great on Sports Talk today, breaking this down and telling you why, and telling maybe me why, reassuring me and people like me who might be a little bit concerned, not this year about Michael Thomas's contract, but once you get into this, three or four years. And I understand that by that point, maybe the Saints could trade or, or cut ties with them if the things go sour on the field and they're not really in contention anymore. I get all of that, but... Handstringing yourself with a $20 million a year contract, 10% plus of the salary cap, what is that, about 11, 11.5% of the salary cap? That's prohibitive in my mind. It just is. And deuce again says, not worried that Michael Thomas is going to coast through this contract. And crush it he was. I mean, Michael Thomas has shown you that on social media, right? Or even on the sidelines. He's fiery competitive about its competitive as you'll see any football player, almost has a little Terrell Owens in him, although he doesn't have the off-the-field nonsense that T.O. had. Kind of like Bobby Aber said, we played the audio in the first segment that – Bobby thought the Saints paid Michael Thomas the perfect amount—not not too much, not too little—paid just right. Well, Deuce also explains to everybody why it made sense for Mickey Loomis and the Saints to pay Michael Thomas now, instead of waiting until some of these other wide receivers get their contracts. Yeah, he's right. He's right. This was a game of chicken that the Saints front office was playing with mainly the Atlanta Falcons because now Julio Jones who's proven it over a longer period of time than Michael Thomas, and most observers across the NFL, I'm not necessarily saying me on this because I have them basically 1A, 1B, 1C, Hopkins, Thomas, and Julio Jones. I've, I've gone over that on the show as the best receivers in the NFL. But a lot of people, a lot of analysts across the league will tell you, they believe Julio Jones is just you know a half-tier or a tier better than Michael Thomas. The Falcons are certainly going to be dealing with that when they deal with Julio Jones' agent as he's up for a new contract. Also a little bit different because Julio Jones has already gotten that big payday when he came up for his first contract. This is the first time Michael Thomas has done that. This is the second big payday for Julio Jones. Here's a text from the 504 at 87870. They will trade him in a year or two as someone else develops. He all but guaranteed that he will not finish his career as a Saint. No way the Saints can absorb that kind of cap hit once Drew Brees is gone and they have to rebuild. Well, it's interesting you bring that up because if there's a way for them to absorb that cap hit without it being too prohibitive to the salary cap, it's actually when you're not paying a quarterback $25, $30, $35 million a year, right? When you're paying your quarterback and whoever it's going to be next year, if it's not Drew, if it's Drew, if he re-signs, he'll be right in that $25, $30 million a year range. But if it's not Drew and once Drew is gone, you're going to be paying a quarterback on kind of a prove-it deal, kind of like Nick Foles was on when he was up with Philadelphia. Again, a prove-it deal. One, two-year deal, 15 mil a year or so. That's kind of the standard for these deals. So you're going to have an extra $10, $15 million a year to pay other players. Now, where the Saints might get in trouble is when all these other guys come up for contract. Alvin Kamara is certainly going to be paid like the highest paid running back in the National Football League, assuming that he doesn't have some kind of third, fourth year drop off. Ryan Ramchek, you're able to use a fifth year option on him so you can delay it a little bit, but he's right now the best right tackle in pro football. One of the two anyways, best right tackles in football. What are you going to do with Teron Armstead? You got Demario Davis coming up for another contract, although he's a little longer in the tooth. Marshawn Lattimore, Marcus Williams. You've just re-signed Cam Jordan. These are all things you've got to prepare for. And it's been proven, and the latest was the Seahawks to try to do this, try to pay all their stars $10 plus million dollars a year. Remember, they had 10 guys on that team, ten different guys. And this was, what, four years ago? When the salary cap was even less. 10, 10 plus guys making $10 million a year, and they kind of bottomed out. They had to go through about a two-year rebuilding process to get them back to at least you know reset mode with Russell Wilson and company. That's what happens when franchise overpay a bunch of their guys just because, well, they've been with us. Again, and this is probably the last day we'll really talk about it this way, but the Saints, in my mind, were in a... A lose-lose situation from this perspective. If you didn't pay Michael Thomas, all those young fellows in the locker room, they're looking at Mickey Loomis in the front office going, okay, we performed our tails off during the first few years of our contract, and now they're not going to pay us? What's up with that? You'd have a revolt in the locker room. You'd also have a revolt in the fan base. Also, when you're in the Super Bowl window, you really want this contract situation hanging over uh, Michael Thomas as you try to win a Super Bowl with Drew Brees. But from the other side of it, salary cap worries perhaps down the road. Text from the 225, Julio Jones doesn't find the end zone like Michael Thomas does, not even close. You know, Julio's had his problems getting to the end zone the last couple of years. Well, let's be honest. Julio Jones is as talented as they come at the wide receiver spot. I don't I don't think anybody's really going to argue that. 504 260 1870. Text lines 870 870. Coming up next, Mike Triplett, ESPN NFL Nation reporter covering the Saints, joins the program. Slogan behind the glass I'm Seth Dunlap, the last lap. You know, just getting started here on WWL. Let that money talk. Michael Thomas did, the Saints did. Shouldn't know him by now. $100 million extension over five years, $20 million a year from Michael Thomas. Here's a text from the 336. Thomas stays healthy. Julio does not. Injury prone in college and NFL. By the way, first three years were nowhere on the charts next to the numbers Thomas put up. Thomas holds many NFL records the first three years. That, indeed, he does, and that is why he got paid like he did. Here's a text from the 504 that uh, is... Well, an angry. T- I always like the angry text this time of night. You're off work. At least uh, most of us are off work. Supposed to be having a little more fun. Supposed to be relaxed at night. I don't know about this 228. Uh, or, uh, excuse me, the 504. You don't know what you're talking about. He's not being overpaid. Look at the market and look at his numbers. W- when once did I say he was getting overpaid? That's you not listening to what I'm saying. I'm just being honest here. I have not said throughout this whole process... That he was overpaid or that he didn't deserve the money that he gets. In fact, go listen to the archives of the show, radio.com app, Apple Podcasts, WWL.com on demand section. Every single show I have said Michael Thomas deserves to get as much money as he can. He deserves to be the highest paid receiver in the National Football League because that's his market value, period. However, on the opposite side of the coin, I am just being realistic about the salary-capped nature of the NFL. This is not a free market. This is not a capitalist system. That salary cap means you've got to be brutally honest with yourself as a franchise about the people that you pay and how that's going to affect guys down the road. And it's just a fact. It is a it is a gosh darn fact that in the last 25 years of the salary-capped NFL, not one, not one of the highest-paid receivers in the NFL during their year has won a Super Bowl. Not one of them. And only one of the highest-paid receivers during that season in the NFL has even made a Super Bowl, and that was Julio Jones a couple of seasons ago. I don't want to rehash everything I talk about every night. But I'm sorry. It is... It's And maybe this will change. Landscapes change in the NFL. But this millennium, teams that overpay at the wide receiver and the running back spot, they are not winning championships and they're not consistently competing for championships. So we'll see what happens with New Orleans. I just said... I think they were in kind of a lose-lose. I don't know how, if you're Mickey Loomis, you don't pay that guy because that sets a bad precedent to the guys in your locker room. I am just telling you that the cold, hard facts about what we see in the NFL. You may not want to hear it, 504. You may not want to hear it. You may want to plug your ears and close your eyes and bury your head in the sand to it. But if you think the only reason that New England is winning all those Super Bowls is because they have Bill Belichick and Tom Brady, if you think that's it, if you think, well, they got those two guys, they can do whatever they want because they're too good. You're missing about 75% of that pie. And that's how they have been brutally efficient, to use that word again, with the salary cap. I am not somebody that sits on the radio and hates all the other franchises that I see out there having success. I just don't. It's kind of like me and my job here on the radio. You know what I do when I'm in my car, when I'm at home a lot? I'm listening to other radio shows. I'm listening to other local guys here in the market. I'm listening to some national talking heads. When I hear somebody that does the job better than I do or is doing things in a show that's better than what I do. I'm not hating. I'm not going, Phew. well, that would never work on my show. These guys don't know what they're doing. No. I'm learning and taking in information and trying to make myself and the show better. The smart football teams aren't looking at New England or Baltimore or Seattle or Green Bay for a time, and saying, oh, man, I could never do that here. No, you're you're looking at New England, and you're going, yeah, you know, they might be doing some things right over there. What can I learn? It's tough. It's tough. Again, I know why they did this. They they telegraphed this for months. As soon as Sean Payton, in that press conference, said unprompted, Michael Thomas is going to be the next guy. And then Mickey Loomis on Sirius XM radio, a couple of weeks later, said, yeah, we're working on Michael Thomas. This will get done sooner rather than later, paraphrasing him there. We knew this was going to happen, and we knew the number. I mean, we all did. We said, it's going to be $20 million. (laughs) And and finally, here we are on July 31st, Wednesday, and it's $20 million a year, and they paid the guy because, boy, they, they almost had no other choice. I guess they did have another choice. I'm not trying to speak out both sides of my mouth, but I'm just realistic to what Mickey Loomis was going through there. I do not envy him at all. You know, I guess if I was getting paid that much, I might make that decision and be okay with whatever decision I made. But it was a tough one, a real tough one. Let's bring on in Mike Triplett to talk about this, ESPN's NFL Nation reporter covering the Saints. And, and Mike, uh, how are you doing tonight? And I know that we, we've talked about this, and you're somebody who has been squarely, pay this guy. He's too good. Pay this guy. And, Mike, he finally got paid.
3: Well, yeah, I mean, I, I actually am getting in on this uh, debate. It sounds like you might have a, a different opinion. I don't think it's an obvious choice to pay a wide receiver nineteen or twenty million dollars a year. I don't, I don't necessarily think that's the best way to build a team. Um, and you know, kudos to the Saints a couple of years ago when they were like, you know what, we can trade away Brandon Cooks because we've got a deep where we, you know, have options uh, um, and we want to build the offensive line and the defense instead with this first-round pick and, spe- you know, not spend $16 million on a receiver. Same thing they decided with Jimmy Graham a few years ago. The way this team is currently constructed, though, they had to keep Michael Thomas. He's a special player who deserves this money if, you know, he's one of the top three or four receivers in the league, So, and this is what receivers are making now, so he deserves this money. And the Saints, unfortunately, are a team that needs a number one receiver, and particularly one like him, the way they run their offense with short and intermediate passes. Uh, There was just no choice. But I am a little bit in the department with the running back position where I sometimes think that's one position I would probably never pay, but part of that is because of injuries and longevity. But the other positions, I think, are more case-by-case basis where it's like how special is the player? And you kind of look at it like you look at a draft. Let's say the Saints had the fifth pick in the draft. In this particular case, if they used the fifth pick in the draft on Michael Thomas, you'd understand it. It's a it's a big need, and it's a special player. And so I don't have a problem in this case that this is what Michael Thomas is getting paid. Because I think he's really earned it, and I think it's, you know, the Saints would – would be in dire straits without him. right Oh,
1: boy. Now. At that position, there's no doubt about it. And, and I guess it goes to what Michael Thomas has done during the first three years of his career, setting uh, all these records for the most receptions in the first three years of any NFL receiver. And I guess if this is a merit-based system, then if you're not paying Michael Thomas this money, I guess you're, you're never paying anybody this kind of money, right? If that, If it's really merit-based in the NFL, which everybody tells us it is.
3: Yeah, I mean, it's a little of both. I mean, sometimes it's cold and calculating. I mean, uh, uh, as you said, the Patriots are a team that will sometimes show the door to certain people. But it, it's, you know, I mean, look, Mark Ingram, there's nothing more Mark Ingram could have done for the Saints. He was the perfect locker room guy. He was, uh, um, you know, he, he was a runner, a receiver, a pass protector, um, durable, you know, a lot of good things that Mark Ingram did. But number two running back is not worth $5 million to the Saints. And so they let him go, you know, even though he checked every box for them. So it's merit-based, but it's not like, you know, you don't just get paid because they like you. They also have to need you.
1: One of the hesitations that a lot of fans have told me throughout this process was, you know, a little Albert Haynesworth, itis or Le'Veon Bell, itis where these guys get paid and then they, you know, just take that money to the bank and uh, maybe they're a little accidental I, I want to play again what Deuce McAllister said earlier today on Sports Talk. Uh, Mike, you agree with that? There' not anything to worry about from that perspective with Thomas. Yeah, I, I
3: would say so. Um, he is driven as much to be the best receiver in the league as he is. Driven to be the highest-paid receiver in the league. Uh, I, I think some of that's overblown in the first place. Uh, the idea that once a guy gets paid, he stops trying. Um, I think they're motivated by being ranked number five on the NFL Network top 100 list. I think they're motivated by guys going on the NFL Network and saying they're the or ESPN and saying they're the number one receiver in the league. I think they're motivated by going to the Hall of Fame. I think they're motivated by breaking every record. Uh, so I don't think he gets paid and he's done. And he is a particular individual. That is very fueled by all that stuff, as we can tell from being around.
1: Us. Talking to Mike Triplett, ESPN NFL Nation reporter, covering the Saints. He's on Twitter. You've got to follow him if you're not. Don't know what you're doing, at Mike Triplett. Uh, that position now, Mike, is it solidified enough where it takes most of the concern away considering what we're seeing at camp from guys like Emmanuel Butler and, and even Traquan Smith looks you know, much better, a little more developed into his second year. There's still concern there for you.
3: Um, No, there's got to still be a concern there. I think it was the biggest problem this team had at the end of last season. We had Michael Thomas playing better than he'll probably ever play again in his career, I mean, production-wise. I I don't know that he'll ever hit 125 yards and 1,400 – or, you know, 125 receptions and 1,405 receiving yards again. And they still did not have enough in the passing game last year. So he's not the question mark. It's the depth at the position. The, the guy who alleviates the concerns most for me is Jared Cook. I liked the signing at the time, and I've liked it even better every time I've seen him on the practice field. Now, I know his, his career has been based around high expectations, and he hasn't always lived up to them, and usually hasn't. But he, uh, he did in Oakland when he played in a similar offense under John Gruden, very similar to Sean Payton's offense. He just went to the Pro Bowl last year. And he really looks like he's going to fit again, just like I was saying with Michael Thomas this passing offense that relies on short and intermediate throws and mismatches, he really seems like a good fit. So that alleviates some concern. If your top three are Thomas Kamara cook and a healthy Ted Ginn, junior fourth stretch in the field deep, then it seems a lot better. And all the guys we're talking about, whether it's Keith Kirkwood or Trey Smith, or maybe an Emmanuel Butler or whoever else makes the team, they don't have to step in and play major roles. They can play complementary roles.
1: Mike, uh, can I throw a question way out of right field at you here before we close it yes. out? Uh, this return yes. battle that I asked Sean Payton about seems pretty um, pretty unset right now. Do you believe that we're going to see Alvin Kamara back there? Do you think it's Cyril Grayson Jr.? Uh, who do you think actually wins these jobs?
3: I think ideally neither one of those guys does does anything in the return game this year. Well, not ideally. It may be great if Cyril Grayson could. I don't think he's a top contender for it, though. I uh, hopefully Marcus Sherrill is as good as he's been, you know, for the past decade as a punt returner. And if so, he'd be the best punt returner they've had since Darren Sproles. And then if Deonta Harris can compete for the job, maybe, maybe he could be a wild card there too. Um, you know, last year it was Taysom Hill returning kickoffs, and he wasn't that bad in the role. And kickoff returns are not their biggest weakness. I think punt return is the one area where they could really use an upgrade and Sheryls is, 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 you know, he's the guy that's supposed to come in and do it, uh, although some of these young upstarts will get a chance to unseat him. But uh, I completely agree with you. That is an area where they could absolutely upgrade, and, and hopefully he's it.
1: Yeah, Cheryl's uh, 12 yards per return last year, uh, punt returns. That's very healthy. hadn't had a touchdown since 2016. You know Sean Payton pretty well. Does, does he value the consistency and ball security over the big play potential that Sheryls may lack?
3: I think I I think that it's a both, you know, Um, but consistency and and an average usually means you've got some long ones in there, too. I mean, we're all thinking of Reggie Bush when you talk about a guy who it's either a home run or losing yardage because you're going sideways. That's not how they approach the return game. But, uh, yeah, a little bit of both is good. And Cheryl's history has both. But you do wonder if they're getting him where he's still at the peak of his career.
1: Yeah, 32 years old, Marcus Sherrills now. The nine seasons prior to this one, all with Minnesota. He's Mike Triplett. Find his work today covering the Michael Thomas new contract in all training camp online, ESPN.com. NFL Nation reporter there covering the Saints. Mike, always appreciate it, man. We'll see you at camp. Have a good one, Seth. All right, at Mike Triplett on Twitter. We're going to take a break. Back with your phone calls after this. Line them up. What do you think about this Thomas contract? Anything, Saints, you want to sound off on? 504-260-1870. That's area code 504-260-1870. Text line eight seventy eight seventy. The last lap continues on WWL. Logan, are you too young for this song? Logan's got his hand up. Logan, our producer behind, this, behind the glass. Oh, man, this brings me back. This was this was my childhood, man. It's ODB. You know who ODB is? Old Dirty Bastard, man. Come on. This was 90s. 90s you weren't even, were you even alive in the 90s? No, he was not. Very, very end of the 90s. You do not, <laughs> he does not remember the 90s. Yeah, that, that brought me back. Got you money. Michael Thomas got his money. Here's a text from the 504 with Julio Jones and Amari Cooper waiting in the wings. Can't guard Mike, just helped us. I want to play a player all day, any day, who loves our team. Who that seems to love the team, seems to love the city and his teammates. And that's one thing that has separated Michael Thomas from these other receivers that at times can be a little prima donna-ish, the Antonio Browns, the Terrell Owens, even Randy Moss, that, well, they're so full of themselves, sometimes it's all about them and not about the we, about the us. Michael Thomas has been the opposite. Yes, he's a self-promoter a little bit. I don't mind that at a position that you got to be kind of full of yourself on the outside, wide receivers, cornerbacks, safeties. Yeah, I don't mind a little me uh, in there. But Michael Thomas has been a great teammate, and that's another reason why the Saints felt like they just had to lock him up. Text from the 504. After Ted Ginn is gone, we will not have a wide receiver that makes over $1 million a year. Saints will continue to find low round picks or undrafted wide receivers. I'd like to see what uh, Traquan Smith's new contract would look like, but you're right, they'll at least have a year or two before he gets that extension where uh, they won't be paying big-time money at the receiver spot outside of Michael Thomas. You would think uh, this probably means they're not going to go out on the free agent wire and um, try to pick up a receiver the next couple of years. I'm trying to look at Traquan Smith's contract here live on the air, which is a little bit – I I know it's his rookie deal. And, yeah, you're right. Next year he'll only be making nine nine hundred $912,000. year after that, yeah, he will be making a mil. That's the final year of his deal. And hopefully by then, he is well worth that $1 million contract, Traquan Smith. The Saints training camp team, we're going to bring you all-pro black and gold coverage, even this weekend. Bobby Hebert, Deuce McAllister, Zach Streif will be live from 3 to 6 p.m. on Saturday. Actually, it's Deuce and Christian there on Saturday. And then on Sunday, you can join us for... Saints training camp special live from Black and Gold Fan Fest at Tulane's Yulman Stadium. That's from 7 to 10 p.m. It's Zach Street, Deuce McAllister. Uh, they're going to call the scrimmage with Bobby Hebert and Team WWL. Christian Garrick, Steve Geller, and myself will all be out there. So it's going to be wall-to-wall black and gold coverage uh, yeah, all weekend this Saturday and this Sunday. Today's player of the day, yeah, it's going to be Michael Thomas. It's got to be, right? Who's going places? Michael Thomas. Brought to you by Toyota Dealers. Let's go places. Also, today's Saints training camp interviews and prime cuts are brought to you by the sound banking of First American Bank, a banking tradition since 1910. Lots more sound and Saints conversation to come. We'll take another break. Back with your calls and your texts and hour number one on the last lap. A couple of texts coming in at 870-870 from the 504. Two questions. What's the extent of wide receiver Butler's injury? Stop there. We don't know. They're not going to let us know. That's the Sean Payton policy. If we even ask him anything in these post-practice press conferences, he's going to look at us and go, next question. So we're not going to know anything. Also, the texter asks, what's the 411 on using Cyril Grayson on special teams? Well, I wrote about this yesterday, and you can still find it at WWL.com. The battle is on for the Saints' returner jobs. And Cheryl Grayson is in this mix. The five main candidates for this are Marcus Sherrills. You just heard a little bit ago Mike Triplett talk about Sherrills. The ex-Minnesota Vikings, spent nine years there, was a very good kick and punt returner. Not spectacular, but good. You don't hold a job for that long nine years unless you're pretty darn good. A little longer in the tooth now, 32 years old. We'll see what he has. And you're not really able to judge this returner battle until you get into the games because it's hard to replicate those game situations and how other teams are going to punt and kick at you. Alvin Kamara has returned both punts and kicks, combined 12 punts and 15 kick returns in his two years with the Saints. Also had a 106-yard touchdown run back during his rookie season. It was not very good on punt returns. I don't think you want to see Alvin Kamara back there, 6.8 yards per carry on those returns. Also, remember, he's the lead back. And he got Cyril Grayson, who I think is the ultimate wild card in this battle. Grayson has one big asset that all these other players don't have, world-class speed, world-class speed. He was an All-American track star at LSU, and he's flashed those burners at times in camp when Drew Brees found him over the top of his defenders. I think he's going to get a lot of opportunities in these preseason games to show what he can do back there. Austin Carr is now in a battle for the returner, and I think he's just in a battle to get on this roster, which is one of the reasons he's going to be returning some kicks. He's been doing this in practice. He'll also do this in games, likely. The problem for Carr is he's never returned to kick or punt during his NFL career, and he never did it at Northwestern in college. It's kind of odd to think, considering Carr's been on this roster, I think Carr's on the outside looking in. I think it's a relative long shot that Carr is on this final 53-man roster. Then you've also got Ted Ginn, almost an obligatory mention for Ginn, because we know he's been highly effective during his career as a returner. But remember, a couple of seasons ago, he was relegated to Peyton's doghouse after ball security problems. And I know what he had only one kick return last year. That was it. Didn't return a punt. Uh, it's versatile to have. It's nice to have him as a backup, kind of an emergency guy. But if if he's out there as the team's full-time returner, same thing with Kamara now. If Ginn or Kamara out there as the team's full-time returner, uh Saints might be in a, a bit of a dire situation. But those are your five main candidates. Mike Triplett mentioned Harris. There probably will be some other guys that get some looks at returner, but it's one of the really big open battles during uh training camp. Our Blue Runner Gumbo opinion poll is closing out this hour. Michael Thomas gets a five-year contract extension. Is he worth the money? 71% of you are saying yes, he is. 29% are saying no. We're going to take a break. When we come back from our news break, we'll talk more of Saints and Michael Thomas. Also, LSU football camp is going to open up. Brooks Cabina of The Advocate will join us. High, high expectations for the Tigers. See what happens at Texas. But right now, there's a lot of people nationally that have the Tigers as not one of, but maybe the dark horse candidate to win a national title. Big-time expectations for Coach O's crew. Plus, Zion Williamson says he wants to stay in New Orleans his entire career. That's what he told the website and publication Complex yesterday. We'll get into that with the guy who interviewed Zion and wrote that article, Macklin Stern, of Complex. That's all coming up next hour, but right now, Facebook Live, WWO Radio Facebook page, breaking down the Michael Thomas contract.
0: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget.